uh, by just asking all of you to open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 7 to 11 today. 1 Peter chapter 4. And let me get back to the beginning there. We'll read that here in a few minutes. And as you're opening, why don't you just read something to you. See, we're going to be talking about service today. We're going to be talking about giving. And I want to remind all of you that God can use you. God can use me. God can use each and every single one of us. So listen up. I found this, and I, I just really liked it, so I thought I'd share with you. There are many reasons why God shouldn't have called you. But don't worry. You're in good company. Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. John Mark was rejected by Paul. Timothy had ulcers. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Amos' only training was in the school of fig tree pruning. Jacob was a liar. David had an affair. Solomon was too rich. Jesus was too poor. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Peter was afraid of death. Lazarus was dead. John was self-righteous. Naomi was a widow. Paul was a murderer. So was Moses. Jonah ran from God. Miriam was a gossip. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Elijah was burned out. John the Baptist was a loudmouth. Martha was a worrywart. Mary was lazy. Samson had long hair. Noah got drunk. Did I mention that Moses had a short fuse? So did Peter and Paul. Well, lots of folks did, and many of us do as well. But here's the thing. God does not require a job interview. He doesn't hire and fire like most bosses. He doesn't look at financial gain or loss. He's not prejudiced or partial, not judging, grudgy, sassy, or brassy, not deaf to our cry or blind to our needs. As much as we try, God's gifts are free. We can do wonderful things for wonderful people and still not be wonderful. Satan says you're not worthy. Jesus says, so what? I am. Satan looks back and sees our mistakes. God looks back and sees the cross. That's from an article titled The Fourth Dimension from November 1998, page 51. And just thought it's a great reminder because a lot of us, we try and think we're not good enough. Or God can't use me. And then we've all got our problems. Maybe as I read through this list of different biblical characters and negative characteristics or problems they had, maybe you thought that's me. Well, look, God still used them, and God can still use you today. So today we are talking about the art of giving, and we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7-11. And despite all of our problems, God still blesses us freely and with gifts each and every single day. In fact, God gives many, many gifts to us that we can also give freely to other people. What are we willing to give to God in return? What are we willing to give to other people around us in return? So we're going to read today from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7-11. And if all of you could, could please stand if you're able for the reading of God's word. <coughs> and I did put it up on the board here. 1 Peter 4, 7-11, we read this. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We are in week eight, in the final week of our Discover Discipleship series. Then we're going to move on for a series of, of just single sermons. We're going to be in, this, in the book of Psalms for a bit. And then we're going to go into the book of Galatians. And then right around the corner, we'll have Thanksgiving and Halloween and Christmas. Not really in that order, but it's crazy how fast time flies. It's hard to believe that we've been in, in Discover Discipleship for eight weeks. And we've talked about things like prayer and worship and what is a disciple who is a disciple i encourage you if you missed any of those go to our website check out the podcast or the youtube videos and catch up on that you've missed a lot of great information from god's word but today we're talking about the art of giving and what do we have to give to god to others again we started off this series was talking about what is a disciple who is a disciple what does a disciple do and as i went there kind of retype Kind of some of our thoughts, I put it in this way. A true disciple recognizes that he is just an ordinary man who is blessed with the gift of serving an extraordinary God. Each and every single one of us are ordinary people. Now, we all have our moments when we think we're something extraordinary, right? But we all also have our moments when we think, how can God use me? How can I be a help to this person? I don't know what they're going through. But that's the thing, it's not about us. Because ultimately, we are ordinary people who are serving an extraordinary God. And that's a great gift that we have. But it's also a great gift that we can give to other people. So as we wrap up this series, I want to look at this gift that we have. Because we're given the free gift of life through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We now also have a free gift and a duty to serve him. To share our gift. And we must give back. We must give it to other people. And as we give it to other people, here's the thing. You glorify God. But you also bless other people. And you bless yourself. God blesses us when we serve him. How great is that? We don't deserve anything. But God continues to, to give us what we don't deserve. So as we go back to this. To the very beginning here. We see verse 1 of 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 7. It says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. I want us to focus on that just for a minute. We're just going to focus on these, these key statements, these key words this morning. And we do have our Sunday school kickoff today, so I'm going to try and not be too wordy because I'm excited to be kicking back off Sunday schools today fully. But as we see verse Verse 7 there. The end of all things is at hand. I think we see this one thing. You see, as we look to the art of giving, there's several ways we need to use the gifts we have. Number one, we give with a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency is because we as believers know that God, from God's words that there will be a day when it all comes to an end. So let me ask you a question. How have you allowed the any moment return of Christ... To affect the way that you're living today. Jesus Christ could return at any day. How are you living? God's word also tells us that God sees what is done in secret. 
You let that soak in for a minute. The end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. You see, this physical life on earth will come to an end, and we must be focused on looking to the eternal life that God gives. Now, the end of all things, as we say that, it's not really speaking of a chronological end. Because we know from God's words that you can have eternal life in heaven with God, or you can have eternal damnation in hell for not believing in him, for not professing in him. So it's not about a chronological end. But there will be an end for people when it comes to an end and a choice that you must follow after Jesus. This end is speaking more of a goal or a finish line. You see, as you're in a run, as you're in a race, and maybe it's not a run, maybe it's a different type of competition, maybe it's a touchdown, a field goal line, maybe it's a cross-country finish line, it could be many things, but that's the type of end we're talking about. You see, the end of all things is at hand, and, and here in 1 Peter, he's been talking a lot about persecution. So it's really easy to read this and think of the end of all things is at hand, and think they're talking about they're about to die. And what are we going to do when we're about to die in persecution? But it's not really what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is the end of all things is at hand. Jesus Christ could come at any time, and because of that, we need to live with a sense of urgency. Just like a runner, we do need to be focused on this end and be thinking about how are we living. But we must not be so focused on ourselves and how we are we living that we fail to also focus on other people. You see, <clears throat> I believe that it's a great injustice when people focus so much on the last things that we fail to look at the current things. And I had a person in my life once, a neighbor, who every week, every time he'd see me outside, he'd walk up to me and he'd say, Wow, Patrick, can you, can you see what's happening across seas in Israel? And Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And Jill, I'd just say, Yep, yep, Jesus could come at any time. But one day I actually told him, Yes, you're right, but... You know what? I don't pay all that much attention to that because we, sometimes we pay so much attention to what's going on overseas that we fail to think about what are we doing today for the Great Commission? What are we doing today to love God and love his people? What are we doing for those around us? It's easy to fall victim to it, though. It's easy to get so excited when you're reading God's word and you're reading about Jesus' return and you read about the prophecies and the things to look for. But we need to remember that none of us truly know when that day is going to be. But what we do know is how we're supposed to live each and every single day. So we live with a sense of urgency. Because of our knowledge of the end, we act upon God's instructions now. Not tomorrow, not in the future, but now. We must be living a life based off the Great Commission. Going to all nations, as we preached on a couple weeks ago, talked about a couple weeks ago. We go to all nations making disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them what we know of Jesus Christ. Show them life. And you know what? As we teach those things, as we focus on those things, we also obey those things ourselves. As we love God and we love other people, as we love ourselves, we do that each and every single day to all people that we meet. But then we also read in this verse... That we must prepare for that end by being sober-minded and self-controlled. 
We must watch our footings and not trip or stumble as we're running in this race. Remember Christ's words in Gethsemane where he said, Watch and pray that you might, might not enter into temptation. Watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Being sober-minded or, or self-controlled means to not be carried away by meaningless worldly desires or things which take you away from God's will. That's pretty hard, isn't it? It is so easy to get carried away by so many different things. And a lot of them aren't bad, but we get so carried away by the excitement of the day. Maybe it's your hobbies. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's friendships. Like I said, it can be good things. But we get so carried away with those things that we forget about the urgency that we're called to be living by. That the end of all things is at hand. So we must pray earnestly. We must pray sober-mindedly and self-controlled. So number two is we give by living a life of prayer. Now I want to talk for just a moment about studying the Bible. You know, that's initially what I was going to preach on today was how to study the Bible. And then I decided to go this direction instead. And then as I'm typing out my sermon, I just realized how this really fit in my sermon. So I was kind of excited. Sometimes us preachers, we get excited about little things that God just gives us. Like, yes, thank you. But here's the thing. I want to talk just a little bit as how we study the Bible so that you can understand my next slide, my next point, which is this. As you look to study God's word, the first thing you need to do is select a reading plan or come up with just an idea of what are you going to do. Now, sometimes, I'm not saying God can't lead you this way, but it's not always the best idea just to flip open the Bible and say, this is what I'm reading today. And then you think, oh, well, that didn't really apply to me today. I'm looking for God to tell me something different. So you keep on flipping, keep on flipping, keep on flipping until you find what God wants you to, what, what you want God to tell you. That's not how we should be studying God's word, because it's easy to just find what we want to find. But we need to search what, for what God's trying to tell us. So what we should be doing is finding an actual plan of action as we study God's word. Maybe you're going to start at the New Testament. Maybe we're going to start at the Old Testament. Maybe you're just going to do a study in the book of Philippians, the book of John. If you've never read the Bible, I encourage you to read from the book of John. It's a great book, and, and it really summarizes the gospel for us well. But number two, before you start reading, every morning you should pray. Pray for the Spirit to help you as you read God's Word and to interpret what you're reading. Pray for the Spirit's guidance for what you're supposed to be taking from it and for proper understanding, because we really can't understand God's ways without the Spirit in our lives. Third, you read. That may sound kind of simple, but that's really important. You actually read. It's so easy to come up with a plan and not actually do it. I've told you before at one time when I was in high school, and I was thinking through how I never read the whole Bible. I thought, and I think this was my junior year, I thought I'm going to read 26 chapters a day. I'm going to read the whole Bible in just a couple months, whatever it was. And it just didn't work because I didn't follow through. I didn't actually read. I mean, I did it for a few days, but then I realized there was too much. So this step is important. You actually follow through and you read the Bible. But without bias, without personal motives. You pray for the Spirit to take all those away, and you pray for the Spirit to lead your Bible study. And this is hard. And then we keep the proper context in mind as well. And that can be even harder because it's so easy to read God's Word and try to just apply it to our lives. 
when we need to look to what were these people going through in this day. And, for instance, if you're reading about persecution and the, the apostle was being persecuted by other people, you need to know what they're going through in your reading. You should also have a notepad, a notepad, a writing utensil in hand so you can take notes as you're reading. And maybe the notes aren't really clear if somebody else would just pick them up. That's okay. Just write down how the Spirit's leading you. Ask questions. Maybe you write down as you read something. What does this mean? The end of that hand. What end? And then you keep diving in as you look at cross-referencing. You look for other Bible verses which might help expand upon that. And then you look at commentaries to help see what other people have found it to believe. But again, don't take that as your own belief. Same thing for me. Whatever I preach to you, I don't want blind faith from you guys. I'm a human being just like you. Go home, study for yourself, because I say wrong things too. Then you pray and you meditate on what you're reading. You reread and you reread and you reread and you just really allow it to soak in. But then another point here is this, and I hope you can read it. I tried to expand it for you. This was out of my Logos Bible software program, where I was able to just type in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, and I look at other translations, the English Standard Version. you got five different translations here, and you can go to many different translations. These were just five that I picked to put up in front of you. And as you look at different translations, sometimes it helps you to understand it a little bit better. So I really wanted to show this to you today, and this is, again, the whole setup on why I brought up how to study your Bible. And I thought, I want to tell you why I do this. In the following picture, you'll see the text compared in several different translations, and you'll see how it changes the meaning. Because as we read in the ESV, we're focusing on prayer, the last part, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the of your prayers. But I really like, and I, I don't say this very often, I don't point to the message very often because I see it more as a commentary type Bible, but look how it says it. So take nothing for granted, stay wide awake in prayer. Stay wide awake in prayer. That's kind of, that's kind of blunt, isn't it? We need to stay wide awake in prayer. How about the NLT? Therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. The CSB, Christian Standard Bible, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for your prayers. We need to be alert. We need to be awake in our prayers. We need to be sober and self-controlled. We need to be thinking through what is God doing today? What is God doing in our life? Prayer is our connection with God. And sometimes we take that, we take that for granted. But this is our fellowship with our Creator, and I really believe that's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And if we focus on, on this, it gives us a great strength and ability to not only be strengthened and blessed ourselves, but to bless other people and to glorify God, because God delights in our prayers to Him. And we're able to strengthen other people as we pray for them. One of my daughters this week asked me a question. She said this, she said, Dad, what is the longest amount of time you have ever prayed? And she said it was because she was laying in bed one night, couldn't sleep, and she thinks she prayed for like 20 to 30 minutes. I was so excited to hear it, but at the same time, ultimately, the length of our prayers is not what matters, it's the heart that matters. 
It's the content which matters. It's what we're praying about and how we're doing it. And as you have more of a heart for prayer and more content on really just loving God and loving others, and that's what you're taking to God, you will find that your prayers will become longer. But it's not because you're, you're trying to pray some long prayer to be honored by people around you. It's just because you, you have this natural connection with God. And the spirit inside of us, what well, he just loves that. He loves to be connected with the Father and the Son in that way. This is a life of prayer which does not cease. And as you live a life of prayer, you'll find that you, all, you are always thinking of God. So it's not about always crossing our hands and bowing our heads and just saying, Father, God, thank you for this day. But it's about always being connected with him. And when something happens, you say, thank you, God. When something happens negatively, you say, Lord, help me here. I, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your healing. Whatever it is, you're constantly thinking about God and his word. You're constantly in communion with him and fellowship with him. But moving on to verse 8, because we're not going to focus on that too much since I preached on prayer a few weeks ago. Read this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Number three is give the gift of forgiving love. Give the gift of forgiving love. Now, as we read, there's other verses here. One of them talked about, therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Earnest. And now, as we move on, we see, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Earnestly means to stretch the limits. Or to be strained in how we forgive other people. It means to love in a way which may be difficult. And when we put this all together in the whole verse, we see that we are told by Peter to give love by giving forgiveness. Give love by giving forgiveness. And sometimes giving this love of forgiveness is a strain on you. It's a strain on your heart, on your mind. You just can't grasp your hands around it. You can't think... How can I forgive this person? You think they don't deserve forgiveness. Think about all they've put you through. But we must do it to reach the goal, the finish line, with a clear mind to be focused on God. The end of all things is at hand. Remember, be sober-minded. Be self-controlled. When we're not giving the forgiveness, it's really hurting only ourselves. John MacArthur writes this. He states, this kind of love requires the Christian to put another spiritual good ahead of his own desires in spite of being treated unkindly, ungraciously, or even with hostility. Proverbs 10:12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. See, the love of Jesus was a love that we did not deserve, and yet he gave it freely, and it covers us. Think about that. We put Christ to death on a, on a cross. Did we deserve forgiveness? No. But we still got it. And that's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to use Jesus Christ and the cross as an example for how we live. What have people done to us which is worse than what we did to Jesus? Which is unforgivable. Nothing. By you not forgiving them, by not working through these things, maybe you're preventing God from working through you in their life. We're commanded to forgive, to love. 
And we must always be ready to overlook and forgive insults and injury to both body and mind. And that's not easy. I understand this. But with God's help, it is achievable. Number four is give hospitality. As we read verse 9, which says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. But as we look up the hospitality word in Greek, and I wouldn't expect any of you to know this, and I didn't know it until I'm researching, studying the scripture, in Greek, the word here, hospitality, is philoxenia, which means to love strangers. Hebrews 12, 2, which is related, says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It's easy for us to love those who we have a close relationship, friends or family, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, but that is not what this is saying. It's saying to show hospitality to strangers, to all people. Now, I think we read it this way because we know, again, it's easy to show hospitality to a friend. Especially right now, I think of all our friends and family that come to visit from Ohio. And we always offer a home. Hey, we've got a spare bedroom. Come live with us. But what type of hospitality do you show to a stranger? We must show hospitality love to all people. And lastly, verse 10 here, number 5, give by using the gifts God has given you. Verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Number 5, give by using the gifts God has given you. So I ask you right now, I want you to think about yourself. I don't really normally say that unless I'm saying that it's a bad thing. Think about yourself. How are you serving God? What are you doing for God? Because we can always do more. But right now, I want to think about the good things. Think about the good things about yourself right now. What gifts has God blessed you with? Who are you? Who, what are you good at? What do people admire about you? Because these things that, God, that people admire about you and God admires about you as well, you can use to give to other people. You can use to help other people. And there's many ways to give besides what we've already talked about. Giving such as prayer, yes, that we talked about. Giving with our thoughts, our concerns, these are ones we talk about. Giving with our money to help get things done. And this may be in church or tithes and our offerings. Or it may be in the world, such as hurricane relief right now. There's many ways to help. Giving with our time. Maybe with nursery or with the youth group or coached by Christ or Sunday school teaching. Or maybe it's giving our time in the world to be able to help somebody out in our community or in a mission trip or to donate blood, giving with our strengths. But here's the thing, all of these are good and necessary, but let us not be narrow-minded. God gives us so much more. God gives us spiritual gifts. God gives us fruits that we can help to bless other people and we give to other people. So I want to read to you as we begin to wrap up from Romans 12, 3 to 8. It says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we... Though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, 
the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We can also look to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to our spiritual gifts. We can look to Galatians to our fruits of the Spirit. There's many ways God blesses us and gives to us things which we don't deserve, and we need to give it back, not just to God, but to other people. God has given each of us gifts to bless people with. You've been entrusted with a great responsibility to use these gifts for God's glory and not our own. You see, it just doesn't even work that way. We have many gifts to bless others with. They, they don't bless us unless we're blessing others, unless we're blessing God, unless we're serving him and glorifying him in all that we do. You must use these gifts for others and for God. It's not a gift that you can develop. It's not a gift that you can earn because it's a gift that God gives us freely. And the only way we develop it is through a relationship with him. As we develop a deeper, stronger relationship with him, he strengthens it. We can't strengthen it on our own. But we need to give it away freely. Just as God gives it to us, we give it away freely. Now, freely, I don't mean we charge for our gifts. What I mean is we just let it flow like a waterfall, like a stream. We just let it go and give to people around us. Freely give. Let your giving flow freely like a stream like a waterfall to all below and surrounding you. Everyone struggles with something. May we live a life of giving to be able to help those people who are struggling with something. And then those people are also going to help you when you're struggling. We are his hands and his feet. And we should be giving God the glory in all things. In the art of giving, we give, we bless, we become blessed. We glorify him. We walk a walk which is walking a walk with God. We're not walking alone. We're walking with God. And we need to remember that. Walk a walk which makes him happy. Walk a walk which glorifies him in all things. And discover discipleship each and every single day of your life. Don't stop now. Each and every single day, look to him and his word more and more. And give what you've been given. Let us pray as the worship band comes up to close us. Lord God, we thank you for the gifts you've been given to us. Lord, the gift of life, the gift of creation, the gift of you and your son and the spirit that never leaves us but helps us each and every single day. Thank you for the many spiritual gifts that you've given us and the many physical gifts, the many emotional and mental gifts you've given us to be able to help people. May we not keep it to ourselves, but may we love you and love others as we love ourselves and give freely with a sense of urgency as the 